today on the show, we're talking about if you think millennials are just a bunch of spoiled spendthrifts, then think again. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, where we focus on your money from a Canadian perspective. This podcast is produced weekly and released every Monday. Show notes for every episode can be found at livelifesimple.ca. Still, let's get on with the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Courtney, and joined me today is my co-host, Trevor. As mentioned in the introduction, today we're talking about millennials. We haven't talked about millennials in a while, so this is definitely a pertinent issue. But before we delve into today's article, I just want to check in with you, all of our listeners, and see how Frugality February is going. Trevor and I do realize that with Roll Up the Rim to Win, Tim Hortons, it's definitely a challenging month to have this challenge. But I think that's what makes it so much better is really exerting that self-control, avoiding Tim's as much as possible, and really sticking to this challenge because it'll be worth it in that you will see how much you save. Because just think about it. Without this challenge, you probably would be visiting Timmy's as much as possible. That is, that's their goal of the Roll Up the Rim challenge. Consumerism, get you there, get you to purchase coffee, get you to win. So what better month to have this than this? And I really hope you are, you're, you're doing, you're sticking to the challenge. You're being honest with yourself. And I know Trevor and I, I was just saying to Trevor before we started the show that I almost bought a tea yesterday from Tim's myself, but I was like, no, Courtney. No, we're in the middle of the challenge. Trevor, what's been your your biggest struggle of the Frugality February so far? Yeah, on Friday, I left my house. And in the past, on Friday, I've stopped at Tim's for a coffee on my way to work. That was my, my ritual. And uh, I pulled out of my driveway, and I, I to go to Tim's, I have to go in a different direction than I go to work. And I went in that direction to go to Tim's, and I got to the intersection, and I just, I go, oh, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> so I, I had to circle around and, and head back to work, so I... I had a really close call myself. But so anyway, this is to let you, our listeners, know that you are not alone. Trevor and I are nowhere near perfect about avoiding coffee and tea ourselves. So make sure you head over to our Facebook and Instagram account. I've already posted a few pictures and Trevor and I will be posting more throughout the month about how we are coping with frugality February as well. So head over there, leave a comment and make sure you are sending us your pictures with the hashtag FrugalFeb that you can be entered into our book giveaway, which will be happening at the end of the month. Okay, enough about Frugality February to delve into today's article. It's called, If You Think Millennials Are Just a Bunch of Spoiled Spendthrifts, Think Again. This article is by Melissa Leong from the Financial Post. In Melissa Leong's words, every generation's young people get a bad rap when it comes to questions of responsibility, financial or otherwise. Those who are lumped into the under-35 category today are stereotyped as spoiled, debt-dependent, and, at the peril of their savings, fixated on YOLO or FOMO or whatever acronym that is synonymous with instant gratification. However, millennials have a lot of great things going for them. Not only do they have incredible side hustle and ambitious money goals, but their high-tech savvy provides incredible opportunities and choices. Here are some financial wins that we can all learn from millennials. They're tech savvy. Millennials have a lot of fabulous things going for them. Edward Kolodenko, CEO and founder of Kestrade, best known for its online trading platform. The proliferation of technology has really allowed the millennial generation to provide access, convenience, costs, and their total experience as they've grown up so comfortable being online. 
Online portfolio managers or robo-advisors enable those with a small amount to invest, especially younger investors who have already been neglected in the money management sphere, to access a professionally managed portfolio at a low cost, he adds. A 2013 BMO survey found that 71% of Canadians under 35 use mobile banking apps, taking advantage of automated bill payments or transfers to a savings account. Also, independent financial apps can help with almost any money issue, whether it's budgeting, paying down debt, finding deals, and filing receipts. Number two, they're masters of the secondhand market. To fund a trip, my best friend made more than $1,500 selling things around her house on a Facebook bidding wars group last summer. When compared to the general population, millennials are more likely to tap into the secondhand economy to find great deals and to save extra money, according to new research from Kijiji. Millennials are a generation of deal seekers and are proud of it, Mark Andre Haid, a spokesperson for Kijiji, says. Many turn to the secondhand economy to make their desired lifestyle more affordable. Millennials are also more likely to see the secondhand economy as a resource to earn extra money. There are even some millennials buying items online with the express purpose of selling them online to make money. We refer to these industrious Kijiji users as mini entrepreneurs, Hate adds. Number three is that they're ambitious. If you go for it with a concentrated, realistic effort, that drive and passion make up for everything, Scott Plaskett, a certified financial planner, says. And go for it. You should, especially if you have the cushion of time. The younger you are, the more financial risks you can take because you have less to lose and more time to make up for any losses. But stress test whatever plan you're putting into place, Plaskett says. For example, he adds, if you're borrowing money, see if your plan still will work if interest rates are double what they are today. Number four, they've got awesome side hustles. That ambition and entrepreneurial spirit means that millennials are busting their butts to meet money goals and fulfill passions. 42% of millennial entrepreneurs recently surveyed for American Express Canada and Startup Canada said they hold a secondhand job. And with the rise of on-demand gig economy and e-commerce, it's never been easier to moonlight on your own terms, whatever you're driving for Uber or offering on-demand childcare through date night and app for babysitting services. Number five, they actually do save money. A 2016 survey by Tangerine found that 62% of those 18 to 34 actually have started saving for retirement and almost half said they started before the age of 25. Finally, 42% of millennials say that the best strategy for saving is to pay yourself first by setting up an automatic savings program. That's advice we can all take to the bank. So that article, again, was entitled, If You Think Millennials Are Just a Bunch of Spoiled Spendthrifts, Then Think Again by Melissa Leong from the Financial Post. So, Trevor, as not a millennial, what was your first impression of this article? Well, I'm a I'm a huge believer in the millennial generation. They're getting a bad rap. I think they overall are a very innovative generation. If you think of the things technologically that have been brought to our society today, most of it's been at the hands of the millennials. And I, I think they are being judged by the generation before them, but I'll say the Gen X generation, who were given a different set of opportunities. And they're measuring the millennials on the opportunities that the Gen X generation got, their parents. And I think that's an unfair comparison. And Trevor, I'd have to agree, as a millennial myself, I can't tell you the numbers of times I felt 
judged, not, not by anyone saying anything, but by behavior or maybe even their nonverbals. And it's definitely true that these older generations may be perceiving the younger generations as in, in, in a negative light. Well, if you think about, we did a, a, an episode uh, quite a while ago on uh, the part-time uh, employment economy that Canada is now becoming. And how can you hold a millennial to the same measuring stick as somebody who had a full-time job with an extremely lucrative pension plan to somebody who's going to spend most of their working career in part-time jobs just because that's what the economy is delivering? You, you, can't, you can't compare them. You can't use the same measuring stick to say this, gener- you know, this generation is successful, this generation is not. If I look back to the generation before me, I'm failing in comparison to them. So we, I think it's a horrible process that that our society has where we compare uh, one generation to another. You really have to look within the millennial group and say, you know, I'm sure within that group there's people who are motivated and people that aren't, but you can't compare them to another generation. Trevor, I really like how you brought up this point because it is so important. I mean, I'm even guilty of it myself, and I'm sure so many other millennials are guilty of comparing themselves to their parents, where their parents held maybe one or two jobs over the lifetime of their working career, when my generation maybe is only holding jobs for five years at a time. And that might reflect badly in the eyes of different generations or even perceived that individual themselves. Well, you know, if you go back to the baby boom generation there, I know a lot of baby boomers that are very critical of millennials. And of course, they're comparing, they're, they're, the tools they're using to compare is what they accomplished in their lifetime. And like you said, some of them may have had one or two jobs in their lifetime. Millennials will have one or two jobs at any given time. So you can't even compare them. And the cost of, of a baby boomer buying a house, the percentage of the income required to buy that house, doesn't even hold a candle to what a millennial is looking at today if they want to get in the real estate market. My, because my, sorry, keep going. my um, parents, they... Their whole thing was, you got to buy a house, you got to buy a house, you got to buy a house. You know, that was their whole financial advice to me. And I, I did buy a house. But I'm not going to be pushing that on my children who are millennials because it's a completely different landscape. The chances of them uh, ge- having the financial gains from buying a house today that I got from buying a house when I started out, it's, it's just night and day. That's a great point, Trevor, because a few episodes ago, we did talk about how parents of millennials feel the need to help their child afford a home, and that is setting back their retirement goals. Oh, yeah. When you start shifting money from one generation to another, you you mess up that, that both generations, and you also mess up the, the economy by doing that. I mean, the housing market, part of what's driving these prices is, is, is uh, grandparents and parents uh, giving money to their millennial children so they can buy a house, I, I think that's a bad a bad move for both people. I think one of the we talked about this before by saving up the down payment to buy a house. That's kind of you proving to yourself that you actually have the responsibility to pay a mortgage back. You're not going to lose your your house power of sale. So by being handed that down payment, you haven't actually proved to yourself that you can actually be responsible enough to pay for a house. And on the topic of that, I really do think we have to take economic principles into into consideration when we think about equilibrium and, and letting the market 
really balance itself out. Maybe this generation isn't meant to be homeowners. If you really think about it, maybe we're supposed to live differently than our the previous generation. Well, if you think of the economics, if it gets to the point where millennials cannot afford to buy houses, what what's going to happen eventually as the boomers start to pass away, there's going to be a surplus of housing on in the real estate market and that will drive the price down. So if they stop moving money from generation to generation and that the natural economics play out, those houses would eventually become affordable. Because there's actually, there's more boomers than there is millennials. So when those millennials are gone, there's going to be a, a huge surplus of houses. So to say that millennials will never be able to afford a house is a little ridiculous because we know, again, that the market will balance itself out, like you just said. Well, they'll be able to afford a house, but maybe later in life. You know, they may, Oh, exactly. They, it may be in their 40s when they're buying their first house, but the price will be affordable. But that's exactly why the millennials need to really think for themselves and get away from the, oh, in your 20s, you buy a home mentality. Well, and if you think about the, the baby boomer generation, they, they were getting married in their late teens, early 20s. Uh, millennials are getting married in their 30s. I know some in their 40s. So it, it, it's, you just can't compare the two generations it, nothing good would come from that well said Trevor I want to talk about the tech savvy the first point within this article I, I know I've heard the previous generations commenting on the use of millennials in their technology and maybe their their dependency on that technology but is there a skill set from your generation Trevor or previous ones that is comparable to the skill set of app designers and hardware engineers yeah, I, I think we'd have to go pretty pretty far back to like the industrial revolution to see uh, the societal changes that technology had brought. So, you know, the invention of the automobile and, and those kind of things kind of on the same level of of what we're, the internet has brought to society today. So, I uh, I think I, I don't think you I, I in my time I, I can't remember any dramatic. Uh, evolution in our society that, that that we're seeing today but you know the anybody who's bashing millennials for not being um, motivated find me a boomer who hasn't benefited from social media as an ability to connect with long-lost friends or family you know who hasn't utilized something in that that was invented by the millennial generation and let's go farther than just social media. Let's talk about the apps, apps on cell phones or, or even cell phones in themselves. That is all a new new invention thanks to the millennial generation. Well, I mean, you could, you could say Steve Jobs kind of was the founder of that and he's not exactly a millennial, but it's the millennial gen generation that kept that moving forward. And it's kept innovating the inventions that, again, previous generations established. I do want to note that it's not that each millennial's fault that they are constantly using technology because in order to stay relevant in the job market and relevant in life they need to use a lot utilize technology that's the world we're in well they're they're laying the groundwork for uh the millennial generation is if you're not in on technology you're out you know this is kind of off topic but when i see a, a lot of young people getting tattoos you know tattoos are quite popular with millennials you see it a lot and I'll call it body art, not tattoos, might be wrong now. And I'm talking to people with like sleeves and, 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 and I don't know what they call them when your leg's completely covered and 
on their neck and even on their face. And I used to say, who would hire somebody with all that on them? They're never going to get a job. But now I'm seeing the people that are hiring actually have tattoos or body art. So the, the millennial generation is they're valuing different things. And I think being individualistic and creative uh, is, is being higher, uh, more values being placed on that by that generation. And the generations before that, they, we, we just viewed hard work and determination a, as the only useful skill. So I think the millennial generation I- is valuing things differently. And like we've said in previous episodes, we are turning into more of an accepting society thanks to the, the, the millennials. Yeah, it's becoming an inclusive inst- instead of an exclusive society. Very inclusive. If you think of social media, Twitter, Facebook, it's all about opting in, you know, being part of a bigger community. So it's very inclusive environment. And previously it was, was when I say exclusive, it was, you know, you, you belong to an exclusive golf club. You belong to um, an exclusive bridge club or a book club. So it, it was a different, it's a different mindset. So I, I think it, that's a, just another way where you run into trouble when you start previous generations start judging future generations. And even within this first paragraph, they talk about mobile banking apps and other, other savings tools that are helping our generation be personal finance savvy. And maybe we'll look back at the millennials and be like, wow, they really had it figured out maybe more than the previous generations on the realm of personal finance. Well, you know, one criticism I hear from a lot of people is, uh, you know, my, my kids don't know how to handle cash or they don't know how to handle money. And I think millennials are creating an, a society where the sooner we get rid of cash, the better. I mean, these, this online banking, e-transfers, I mean, it's all, it's all about uh, not using cash. And, and even when you get to take an Uber, you don't use money. I mean, you just get in the car, you get out of the car, right? It's, it's becoming uh, cashless in, in every aspect. And we can talk about the safety aspects that 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 promotes not carrying cash with you because again that's that's it's always seemed a little crazy that we walk around with wads of cash in our pocket. Well, you know, robberies are going to be a thing of the past, right? There's there's one thing millennials are are going to they're going to create the the uh, like you, there's going to be nothing to rob anymore. You won't be able to rob a corner store or a gas station. Everyone's playing with with, with credit or, or 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 debit. There's nothing but a bunch of debit slips to to steal, right? It's but that being said, there was, I mean, you look back and people say, oh, I feel like I'm actually more responsible with my money when I can see it passing from my hand to the cashier's hand. So I think we will have to educate younger individuals differently on being responsible with money. Well, I, I think they'll, they'll need to learn responsibility with money from a, like, they're not going to learn it from the previous generation because they're going to be teaching about how to, ha- how to handle cash. So... I think they're going to have to learn it uh, on their own or f- from another perspective because I, I don't, that's one thing, you know, if, if the advice of, of, you know, abusing your credit card is to use cash, I, I think that's bad advice. Oh, definitely. And then that, again, goes back to one of our other episodes where we talk about personal finance education and how that's going to change um, as we progress through the years. Moving through the article, Trevor, I want to talk about the secondhand market. I 
find this such an incredible area and it's a realm that's really been so prevalent with with my generation well you know when when i i've bought something on kijiji i i've i or sold something i'll say no matter what it is i'm buying or selling i'll i'll say probably more than half of the inquiries or the people i've inquired to were millennials like younger people so so that that whole market is just flush with with young people trying to buy and sell things. I'm not saying old people don't, but my experience has been that any contacts I've made through Kijiji have been somebody significantly younger than me, the, the age of my kids, primarily. And I do want to talk about, even I was listening to the Minimalist podcast today, and they were talking about how they will buy clothes off eBay. So there really is no limit to what you can buy. It's not just the the normal things that you would think you could buy off secondhand website but everything well you know i shop at uh i periodically go to value village to shop for you know sweatshirts and i, I don't buy everything there but you know value village if, if people aren't familiar with it is a used uh clothing chain when i go in there i am always 90 percent of the time the oldest person in that store it is just filled with young i'll call them millennials shopping for clothes and it's it, I, i'm always I don't know why. Every time I go in there, I'm always shocked. And I'll say to my wife, look, look at all these young people here. This is crazy. You know, I would expect to see them at the, at the mall. But there's, the store is usually filled with younger people than me. So that, that, that's a sign. We also, in my town, we have a, a store. It's called Beyond the Blue Box. And it's, for, um, it's, it's a place you can donate things to be sold secondhand. And I go in there looking for odd things that I, I might need just to use once. I needed a a dolly to move some furniture, like a, a, a furni- uh, an appliance cart, I'll call it. And I didn't want to buy a brand new one because I was only going to need it for this one, one occasion. So I went there and I, I ended up getting one for 10 bucks, and it worked fabulously. But when I was in that store, it was just filled with young people. Just, I, you know, and, and I, when I was a kid and I went in a second-hand store, it was always filled with old people. So it's just a, a changing, a shift in, in mindset. And, but we can thank millennials for that in that we're promoting, reusing, recycling, and reducing our carbon footprint. That's all millennials who are going to, if, they, if they're already doing this, they're just going to keep enforcing that. And, and it's, promoting, it's promoting not being a consumerist at the same time as well and not enforcing and helping the, the, the stores at the mall exploit other people making products because we're, we're reducing that. And it's good to see. Well, one thing this, this article didn't talk about was I think millennials as a, as a generation are more focused on the, uh, the environment than, than any other generation. They're so focused on... The environment and social impact too as well, Trevor. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But just, just protecting the environment and, and how I think amongst millennials, it's, a lot of them see it as socially unacceptable to act in an unenvironmentally friendly way. Oh, that's so true. I mean, I really think that is what has caused the demand for eco-friendly cars and eco-friendly products. And it's really forcing, I think, other generations to to think that way as well, which is incredible. I also want to touch within the the number two thing that we're talking about is many entrepreneurs. And it really does go into the whole, whole idea of, um, again, the next point is being ambitious, but side hustles and and trying to create this this second job economy that is different than the mainstream t- traditional. And again, this that's what we always talk about on this show is kind of going against 
what all the other generations have done in in the in the realm of jobs. Well, if you think of the younger group society that's made a living off YouTube, these YouTube channels, and, and they just through ads and stuff, and, and then uh, podcasts. I mean, this is a a young person's thing, really, and, and and blogging. I mean, all these are technological side hustles that. And a lot of these YouTube channels add an incredible amount of value. I can't tell you the things I've looked up, you know, wanting to know how to do something or wanting a review on a particular product. And when I bring up the YouTube channel, the most viewed one and the one I find the most affordable is generally by a, a fairly young person. And I, I quite often shocked that they're interested in the same product that I'm sort of interested in. And and it's very resourceful of them. And, and they're... They see opportunity where I don't. My generation doesn't. My generation is seeking opportunity through traditional employment. Millennial generation, a lot of them are seeking opportunity or a side hustle through some technological aspect. The YouTube example is such an incredible point to bring up because I will 100% promote anyone or support anyone who is doing something that's not the mainstream because that means that they're making a living doing something they're passionate about. And I, I can 100% get behind that. Well, if, the, the best way to invent a side hustle is to solve a problem in the world. And if you think about a, somebody reviewing a product, I mean, they're solving a problem. I, I, I want to reduce my risk of buying something and, and it turning out not to meet my need. And so that, that person who, and I mean, there's tons of these ones where they review products. I mean... The, the last one I bought was a, was a case for my iPhone. And a guy reviewed just a, a whole plethora of cases and did drop tests and and then, re, you know, used it for a week and then reported back on his channel what he thought of it. I mean, I, it's crazy to invest so much time into a phone case, but I, I, I did. And uh, he was solving a problem in the world, right? He, I mean, not a significant problem, but if that's how that generation sort of looks at it. I'm, I want to solve a problem. That's the best way to create a side hustle. And to your point, millennials are are helping and supporting other generations, not just millennials. So if an, any other generation is going to bash a millennial, I just think they have to stop and realize what are they taking away and benefiting from these the millennials' products that they're making? Oh, yeah, I know. It's easy to look at the downside of, of the things the millennials aren't doing that you think they should be doing. But what about oh, all exactly. the things they what about all the things they are accomplishing in the world? And moving on to the third point, and I want to make this note right here that you could almost say millennials are more innovative and more creative and and have these characteristics that maybe previous generations were lacking because they just went through the motions and into a job that they were thought they were supposed to supposed to go into where millennials are just being so entrepreneurial. Well, and we say I said this before they're not given the same opportunities. So to judge them based on the opportunities I was presented and ask them to try to understand, well, why aren't my, my children pursuing the same dreams I did? Well, they don't have the same opportunities. So why would they pursue the same ambitions? Exactly. Exactly. Um, moving, we just, I know we just talked about side hustles, but it is crazy. I do want to highlight, I mean, I didn't even realize date night was an app for babysitting services, but that's incredible. It just, the amount of resources out there created by millennials that are just benefiting everyone is phenomenal. And the the fourth point here, or sorry, the fifth point, actually shocked me that there were such high numbers of millennials, young millennials, 
who are actually thinking about retirement because I feel like that might be, I don't know, you can answer this for me, Trevor. Is that a misconceived notion that maybe millennials aren't thinking that far ahead? Well, I know in my gen, I didn't think about retirement until, you know, seriously think about retirement until I was, I'll say, hit 40. And then I started really pondering it. Um, I think because companies, you know, they're not going to be employed with pension plans and all those things, that it, it, it just, the very nature of the type of jobs they're going to hold, retirement has to be uh, uh, a main focus in, in terms of how they manage their money. Because the baby boomers, they all had fabulous pensions. Uh, the Gen Xs, kind of a mixed bag, pensions, you know, some good, some not bad, but most people had pensions. The millennials, they're not going to have pensions, so they do have to think about um, their retirement. Although the recent changes to the Canada Pension Plan, is, it's gonna, they're going to get more out of that program than, than generations before them, which is good to see. Definitely, and I think that pension is a good point to bring up because do you think, it, you, it, would you say it's been easier for the past generations to know that they have a secure pension coming their way? And, and then is that a different challenge that our millennials are facing? Well, they're going to have to actually, they're going to have to save more money than, than, than they would have otherwise, right? Like they're not going to be funded by an employer. So it just, just straight math says they're going to have to put more money aside for retirement. I do want to ask you now, Trevor, I might be a little biased in how I perceive this question I'm going to ask you, but do you think there's been the biggest jump or gap between the millennials and the previous generation as there has been between any other generations just because of the 2000 revolution and all the technology that's come with it? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. If I look at the, the baby boomer to the Gen X, uh, we were really just following in their footsteps to, to a great degree. But with the technology side, it's almost like the millennials have the reins and they're guiding the the horse down the trail and we're just following because we're following the technological technological path. And I'm not sure if our listeners have heard about these two terms before, but they're called digital native and digital immigrants. So to your point, Trevor, our, our millennial generations are digital native. They have the upper hand on how these technologies work and how to utilize them whereas our previous generations are just embracing them now and there are digital immigrants who are kind of following in the steps of our millennials. Now, that's a good point. I've never heard that. That's quite fascinating, but it's true. They, they're the inventors. They know the technology inside and out. We're just the fringe users of it, so we really have to bow to their, their, their greatness from that standpoint. And from a not millennial perspective, do you think there's a sense of inferiority that, that previous generations are feeling towards these technologies, which are so prevalent in today's society? Well, as the millennials move more and more into the uh, uh, the management or, or the running of the businesses of our society, uh, I agree with you that that's how the shift is going to take place. And they're going to be in more control than any generation shift previously because of that technology and their their grasps of it and following my previous question i'd almost say that millennials are maybe becoming more relevant because of where everything is going and that maybe the previous generations are 
struggling to keep their values of that generation in today's society, which is kind of maybe I'm not going to say impossible, but very challenging because times are changing so fast. And it really is. I, this might be a broad brush statement, Trevor, but I feel like today really is the millennials generation because everyone just kind of has to run to keep up with what our generation is doing. Well, you, you know, when I look at my work uh, experience and where I work right now, and I look at older people like myself, and we got where we were through, I'll say, hard work. And the millennials, they, I see the new people coming in, and they focus on problem solving. So they're looking to solve a problem, problem solving, solutions. You know, that's sort of their mindset. And that's probably how the education was delivered, right? They're, they're, they're educated as, as problem solvers. But if I look at, you know, the baby boomers and the one before that, we all were focused on hard work, hard work, work hard, work hard. But this generation, millennials, is solve the problem, solve the problem. And, and I think that is the major shift that I'm seeing. And on that note, I really have to commend any, and I've worked with multi-dynamic generations as well, and I, and I know you have too, Trevor, but I have really have to commend that the generations that work together so cohesively, because this is the first time ever that this many generations have been employed together, at least I think it is, just because of living longer, working longer. So it really is, it's almost incredible that all these generations are even working together as cohesively as they are. And embracing each other's perspective that each generation brings that is a fascinating concept that i've never thought of but where i work there is baby boomers gen x and millennials all working together but when i look back to when i entered the workforce it really was just two generations working so that that is a very fascinating concept that i i've never really stood back and, and thought about but now that i see it the the millennia the baby boomers that i mean there's not many of them but there there's somebody i know who's where I work, they're still there on a part-time basis, but they're definitely the age of my parents, so they would be a baby boomer. And uh, they don't mix well with millennials, now that you, you mention that. But just to take that one step further, this may be the most competitive market we will ever be in. I, I guess, actually, this will persist, but moving forward from today, or this generation, we are companies are so competitive now because they really have an insight into every generation, and their target markets are maybe changing to incorporate the viewpoints of every generation. And it, it really is a game changer in a positive way to, uh, to the business world. So that brings us to the end of this episode. And to reinforce what, what we introduced this episode with, our Frugality February, make sure you are hopefully participating. Send us your picture via email to livelifesimple365 at gmail.com or to any one of our social media platforms. So you can send us a picture using the hashtag FrugalFeb to Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We will see it there. And at the end of the month, we're going to draw randomly draw one lucky winner for our book giveaway. The book giveaway is Victory Lap Retirement. It's an excellent read. We highly recommend it. So this is our, our chance for one lucky listener to get to read it. And also head over to the blog. We have a blog related blog post related to this Frugality February challenge. And remember that we are all working through Frugality February despite the roll up the rim that's come out this month. And that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please be sure to check out the show notes at livelifesimple.ca. Give this show a rating on iTunes, leave us a comment, or can tell other people about this so that they can get involved in all the challenges we have coming up and also the content that we provide you weekly. Until next week, 
keep it simple. <laughs>